0: Now, uh, I'm testing actually the live feature because uh, tomorrow I'm planning on using it uh, in an interview if I can figure it out. It's been a while since I've done the live feature, so um, it looks like it's working. I'm on my phone right now looking at YouTube and it's coming up, and so I never announced it. I know <laughs> this is more of a test than anything else, but if you are online and you happen to see The live stream, and you know people that might want to participate, uh, let them know, and maybe we can get to some questions at the end or something. Uh, We'll start here uh, with a video that just came out yesterday afternoon, I guess it was recorded in the morning, from the Village Church in Texas. I want to talk about this because it's being talked about a lot of places, and I think there are some implications or some things that we can draw from it. So this is Matt Chandler who is uh, the pastor of the Village Church, uh, no stranger uh, to the Conversations That Matter podcast, because that's not Matt Chandler, that's that's Dr. Russell Fuller. We'll talk about him later, but uh, let's see if I can get there. Matt Chandler. Um, this is, and you can see even uh, where I stopped this video, the worried look on his face. Uh, it's just, it's sad. I, there's so many different emotions, because for those who have been a subscriber to the Conversations That Matter podcast, you've heard me talk about Matt Chandler before, and we've talked about really how woke he is, mostly. I mean, even in uh, the the book, uh, Christianity and Social Justice, that I wrote last year, I use him as an example, I think at least once, but I think twice, as someone who just really has pushed this needle, uh, not just to the political left, but to, um, in ways that are heretical theologically. He's added to the gospel, Uh, he has... Uh, practiced really what amounts to his own form of partiality at his church he has uh, he, he, his ethics have been off he he has misdiagnosed social ills because he's reading them through this uh, this standpoint epistemology lens that he thinks gives him special privilege we've talked about him many times there's been many examples out there and and, and here he is and, and it's just sad, I think partially for me because've I've seen all of this it's it's like a train that you know is going to go off a cliff and it's just it's sad when it finally does and, and this may be that moment I'm not sure, but uh, he was instrumental I know in the lives of many of my friends, not so much myself i I really didn't listen to Matt Chandler. I never actually cared for Matt Chandler personally. People probably wonder John, who do you like?" <laughs> You always talk about these people. You say like, "Well, I never really was into that." It's it's partially true. I'll tell you like John MacArthur. I listened to John MacArthur. I always liked John MacArthur. Still like listening to John MacArthur because it's just so informative and biblical. Um, On social stuff, I did there. There's a lot of Doug Wilson stuff that I read uh, over the years and appreciated um, on political matters and social matters. I I haven't really read his theology stuff, but uh, on. um, I'm trying to think who else that I, I've really been touched by that I can still say, you know, I still, I, I glean from, uh, I, I like Mike Abendroff stuff, no compromise radio. i listen to his podcast now and then, but that's more of a new thing. Dr. James White. I listen to a lot of probably almost more than anyone else, Dr. James White. And then before him, Todd Friel listened to so much of that. So it's not like I'm just, I just want to let people know. It's not like I I'm critical in, in, in like, uh, hypercritical in a way that I have just never listened to anyone because they're never good enough. That's not true at all. They're, they're I'm actually willing to listen to a lot of people. Matt Chandler, though, isn't just another guy. A lot of these woke guys happen to be guys that even before people knew they were woke, I wasn't that into them. For whatever reason, Matt Chandler is one of them. But I had a lot of friends, and I think he did actually positive, uh, had a positive, positive influence in some of their lives because he was the one that made them realize more often than not, this was the doctrine, uh, the doctrines of grace. Reform Um, theology—they understood better predestination and and election, all of that. And Matt Chandler was the guy that helped help with that. And and some of my friends uh, who were into Matt Chandler, I think, were used to uh, a style of preaching that I wasn't as used to, because they were in more charismatic churches. And Matt Chandler just appealed to that. He he was able to kind of bridge that gap. And so I I've actually looked at him before he went woke. I looked at him pretty positively, though. I wasn't really that into his preaching, I, I thought, well, he's, he's a good influence on, on my friends and people I know, and to see him go from that and, and, and being known for that to now kind of being known for being woke, and now just his reputation is changing now to one of corruption, mishandling sex abuse cases, all of that, uh, and I don't want to get into all the details of, of previous things, but uh, let's play this video and then... We'll bring in what we need to bring in to to comment on it and to analyze it, but uh, I'm going to just push the play button here, and if we have to stop it, we'll stop it, but uh, we're going to listen to Matt Chandler, and then I believe um, it's another pastor from the Village Church is going to get up and try to explain what Matt Chandler says. It's very confusing. It's almost like an HR worker analyst, someone that was using focus groups, maybe to come up with the best words to use and how to phrase things came up with this statement, because it's just so diplomatic, but it's just, you don't know what was said. A lot of emotions are communicated, but not a lot of facts. Here we go.
1: Father, I love these people. Thank you. For giving them to me and me to them. I think I started at the wrong
0: place. Let's start at the beginning here of this. Here we go.
1: It's harder seeing you. Several months ago, um, a woman approached me um, outside here in the foyer. Um, she had some concerns for how I was DMing on Instagram with a friend of hers. Um, I, I didn't think I had done anything wrong in that. My wife knew that. Her husband knew that. Um, and, and yet there were a couple of things that she said that were disorienting to me. Um, and so I immediately um, came in the room. I found chairman of the Elder Board, Jason Swords, found Josh Patterson, other lead pastor, and said, this is what this person just told me. Uh, and then I went home. Lauren wasn't with me that night. And I told Lauren this is what was said to me um, tonight. Um, from there, uh, the elders began to look into because that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, because we cannot be a church where anyone uh, is above the scriptures and above the high heavenly call uh, into Christ Jesus. And so they looked into um, the the conversation between me and um, this other woman. Uh, and they had some concerns, Um, and those concerns were not that our messaging was romantic or sexual. It it was that our conversations were unguarded and unwise, and because I don't ever want there to be secrets between us. The concerns were really about frequency and familiarity. We believe in brother-sister relationships here, Um, and yet there was a frequency that moved past that. And there was a familiar, familiarity that played itself out in coarse and foolish joking. It's unbefitting. Uh, okay, so th- this is, I think, where a lot of the confusion
0: is coming in. Disorienting is the word that you're going to hear again uh, from the the pastor who comes up to kind of re-explain what Matt Chandler is trying to explain here. And he says to the congregation, I know you're disoriented, Matt Chandler says, I was disoriented, this lady came and shared information, but we don't really know what that information is, other than it went past a brother-sister relationship, but somehow it's not romantic or sexual, but it went past a brother-sister relationship in its familiarity and frequency. I don't know what to make of that either, and it's very hard to, um, it's very hard to say, and I don't want to say anything that's speculation because that's not really the role that I have and it's not it's not right I think to to speculate on things that uh, that it could turn into gossip very easily when you start trying to fill in all those gaps and say this is what it was when you don't know I don't know but it definitely opens Matt Chandler up to a lot of questions and uh, they don't want to say who it was what it was but I think this ultimately what this ends up doing, especially with someone like Matt Chandler who has a uh, ministry or a uh, he he has a, a platform that's so large, so many people listen to him outside his church. What's the, what this is going to end up doing is creating a bigger problem for them because when they're going to have to clarify the clarification, and then they're going to have to probably clarify the clarification of the clarification, where and, and you just end up getting kind of buried in all these details and these these nuances, but they're vague. And eventually a narrative just kind of settles in. That's been my experience, at least. People just eventually draw conclusions. So on something like this, I'll show you the conclusions people are already starting to draw online. They're not probably all correct about what actually is going on, but it leaves me wondering whether or not it, this could have been something really innocuous and just, okay, so... This really wasn't that big of a deal. Both spouses knew that you were friends and you just had a, a friendship, but someone had a problem with it. Probably, you know, let's see again, <laughs> speculation threatened to maybe whistleblow. I don't know, but said something disorienting, whatever that means to Matt Chandler. It, it, it seems that it disturbed him enough. You can see his face is very disturbed that he felt like he had to say something to the whole entire congregation and also to the Internet. Uh, this wasn't a members meeting. Remember that. This wasn't a meeting where um, just members came together and he talked it out without the live stream. He decided to do this to the entire world, or at least where the entire world could have access to it. Anyone who streams his sermons, listens to his sermons, this is what they're getting, or act, or not Acts 29, uh, Village Church sermons. So th- this was all strategically planned out. This isn't something that was i think a a knee-jerk reaction they're choosing their words wisely and they're doing it in this public forum for a reason and whatever was said to him it was heavy enough disturbing enough uh that he had to he had to go public with it so so you, you have on the one end you think this must be really bad and they're just trying to hide the details on the other end you think or the other possibility is this is really innocuous but they're afraid of it just getting twisted um, but he's not saying that it's being twisted. So you have two opposite extremes. People are, and I understand why, they're tending to veer towards it's a lot worse, but they're just not telling you. And if it really is innocuous, uh, then it, and, and it's not really a, a, a threat. It, it wasn't really a problem. But the fear was that someone could twist it, make it seem like it was something that it wasn't. Uh, then I don't think they would handle it this way. But if that is the case and that's how they're handling it, it's incredibly short-sighted, in my opinion. It, it makes no sense to do this. And so I'll, I'll give you the motives that I think could be possibly playing into this, uh, the potential motives at the end. But this is where the confusion starts coming in, uh, right when his opening, right? What you just heard,
1: I think, is the most confusing part. Uh, of someone in my position as a lead pastor— and as an elder, I'm held to a higher standard and fell short of that higher standard. Um, so, so the elders have decided, and I think they're right, that my inability to see what I was in uh, probably has some is revealing some unhealth in me. And I don't know if that's tied to the pace I run or uh, the difficulty of the last six, seven years, but I agree with them. Um, and so in their grace to me and my family um, they've decided and again I think they're right um, to put me on a leave of absence um, uh, starting uh, immediately from preaching and teaching at um, the village church I'm I'm just really embarrassed feel stupid thank you feel dumb Feel like I'm embarrassing my wife and kids. Putting a ton of pressure on our staff. I feel like I've fallen short for you. And you might even be hearing you might even be a Christian. You might be hearing me saying this like, what the H <laughs> but the word of God holds me to a certain standard. And and I need to I need to live into that. And and I fell short. And man, I'm I'm apologizing to my family, to you, to all involved in this situation. And um, I some things I love. I love that our elders engaged at the level they did. You know how easy this would have been to make it nothing and just let me not address whatever this is. Super grateful that the elders have loved us and walked with us the way that they have. Um, super grateful for you. I'm super hopeful for what's to come in the future. But but I need to breathe, uh, and that's both discipline both discipline and development. Um, And so, man, in time, forgive me. I love you. Eager for the other side of this, whatever God has for us. And so let me pray for us, uh, and then Josh will step in.
0: Now, I think I must have fast-forwarded past the part where he starts this off saying he plans to be the village church pastor for 20 years to come. So Whatever this is, he doesn't think it's bad enough that he has to permanently step down or he can't pastor there anymore, but he also says it's disqualifying, and he says that a number of times. This is disqualifying. So I want to just read for you. Let's go uh, to Titus chapter um, 1 and uh, read for you some of the qualifications for being an elder uh, that might pertain to a situation, uh, what we know of this situation, which we don't seem to know much, but we know it has something to do with a inappropriate relationship between a male and female so it says that um, in verse uh let's see here let's go to verse we'll just start at the beginning here man must be above reproach it's verse six of titus one the husband of one wife one woman man literally having children who believe not accused of dissipation or rebellion the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and be able to refute those who contradict. Um, so don't, don't be rebellious, don't be an empty talker, a deceiver. Uh, when, when you go through this... The the thing that stands out to me obviously is the one woman man and wondering you know I think that's what everyone's wondering if this violates that but there are other things here that I'm open to it could be that uh, this coarse jesting he mentioned was not in accordance uh, with the qualification um, to uh, some somewhere in in, in this these uh, these principles of not being self willed quick tempered quick tempered pugnacious. Uh, not loving what is good. You know, so, Somewhere in there, these are more general character traits and maybe Matt Chandler is saying that's where there's been a violation. That's where I don't meet the standard because there was these jokes that I told. I don't know how to make sense of the frequency and the familiarity thing other than the only qualification in here I see is one woman man. You, you can't uh, be a... Uh, you, you cannot be someone who is giving the attention that's meant for your wife to someone else. So... I don't know what to say other than it seems like something like that happened, whether it was sexual in nature or whether it was emotional in nature. um, It it was something that his wife deserved from him that he was giving to someone else. That seems like a logical conclusion to draw, but we don't seem to have all the information, but that, that is what I think people are going to pick up from this. And understandably. So it's, it's a reasonable thing to think that. So Uh, now we have uh, the pastor, uh, another pastor from the village church come up, and he kind of puts some meat on the bones. He specifies what this means, taking a leave of absence, not meeting the qualifications.
1: And uh, lead us in the service. I'm going to skip past his prayer here.
2: Yeah, we do. We're loving. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it.
0: Um, <laughs> wasn't the it was probably the first scripture that came to his head, but I don't know if that's the one I would have quoted there.
2: I realize that is uh, disorienting news. It's hard. It's heavy. Um, it's shocking, and really, depending on who you are and how you came in, and your
0: can I just say one thing? Disorienting. That's what Matt Chandler said. That's what this individual is saying. Disorienting means confusing. It means that you couldn't get your bearings. That you were you were given information that you just didn't know how to categorize because it was so outside the scope of what you're used to dealing with or what you what you know and are familiar with. And that word is not. It, it's it's a value neutral word in a sense. It, it doesn't imply that there's uh, a, a, the problem could be you. It could be someone else. It could be, it, it doesn't really tell you it's not specific. Uh, so when Matt Chandler uses it about himself, says while well, I was given this disorienting information, it's like, well, he knew what he messaged or DM'd this other woman. So, what information would have been brought to him that would have confused him? That's the question. How is this confusing? And no one really knows the answer to that. It's weird. It's weird, but that's the public explanation he wants to give. And I'm just pointing out that that is a very, uh, the the word actually probably that should have been used here is disturbing. This is, it's disturbing. I know that was disturbing to you. It is disturbing. It's not that it's, disorienting is much too mild of a term. It's disturbing. It's upsetting. Uh, It's disappointing. Uh, That's what Matt Chandler probably should have said about himself too. I was disturbed when this individual confronted me and put all of these things together that I just didn't really, I didn't see what I was doing and I realized it was S-I-N, it was sin or it was unwise. Uh, That's, you don't hear him saying that though. He uses such, he uses this language that's so vague and general and uh, is open to interpretation. And to, to do that is just not, it's not helpful to not just the the congregation, but the people listening online.
2: Your story and your background and all types of different things, it lands on you specifically in a very personal way as it lands on us generally in a very corporate way. And so I just want to pause to recognize that and tell you that that's okay and that's absolutely normal. Uh, This has been a weighty thing. Uh, It's been a hard thing. And I pray that the Lord would minister to you as he has to me and to so many of us uh, in this season and in the season to come. What I'm going to try and do now is just come behind what Matt said and offer uh, some further clarity. Because regardless of how that hit you, I trust that clarity is helpful. Uh, and so I'm going to read some things
0: here. You're, you tell me and you can tell me in the comments whether or not this is clear. Because so far, you're disoriented, you're confused, but they never really give you anything to help you come out of that disorientation, right? So remember when Obama—actually, someone in the comments I just noticed uh, mentioned Obama in conjunction with Chandler here. Remember when Obama would say, "Let me be clear," and then everything after that was unclear. That's how this kind of hits me. So here's here's the meat on the bones. Here's the clarification.
2: I'm going to try and pace it in such a way uh, that we can hear it. The first thing that I want to do is I do want to thank the individual who brought this to Matt. That's no small thing. It took a ton of courage. It took a ton of conviction. And the way that this person handled that and the fact that this person came forward and had that discussion is really meaningful and really significant. And we're all really grateful for it. And so I do want to say, thank you. The concerns were about Matt's use of social media, of one-on-one communication with a woman who was not his wife. As Matt said, he immediately brought those concerns to Jason Swords, who's the chairman of our elder board. And to me, immediately that same night went home and shared it with Lauren. You need to know this, that Matt has wholeheartedly been submissive to the elders as overseers. That's significant. That's important for you to know.
0: And that is significant. I don't want to say everything here is negative. Let's give credit where credit is due. If that's what he's doing, that's good. That's good that he's submissive to the elders. He's willing to do this and go through this process. But we don't know the circumstances. Was he caught red-handed? Was he blackmailed? We don't know. We don't know any of that. But that is a good thing, that he's not being obstinate, because some— people with authority have, and pastors included, have uh, in situations where there actually was uh, sexual immorality, they have been obstinate and they have blocked efforts to keep them accountable. So good. Good for Matt Chandler for doing this.
2: He's never denied or resisted. There's been times of confusion, a time when we needed to press in to clarity. And so what we did in this is we commissioned an outside independent review of his messages. This was conducted by an independent law firm. Matt provided full access to his cell phone, emails, and all technological platforms. He fully cooperated. It's also important for you to know what the report found and what it did not find. The investigator's report led the elders to conclude that Matt did indeed violate our internal social media use policies, and more importantly than that, while the overarching pattern of his life is one of being above reproach, he did fail to meet the First Timothy standard.
0: And okay, I was reading from Titus. We could have gone to First Timothy too, though. What's the standard then? The only thing that keeps coming to mind is the one woman, man stuff. Ah, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm open to—is it something else? Is it not? Is it the core suggesting that's part of? it? But he's—it's hard now because he's saying. It has something to do with communicating to a woman who wasn't his wife. That's what we're left with now. It's so hard not to draw the conclusion that there was something inappropriate here, uh, that just something that he should have given to his wife, a familiarity he should have had with his wife, the kind of, um, and, and you can't tell me that doesn't really flow into romance because it's so easily, I don't see I can't separate the two in my mind, at least. It's very difficult. Uh you have a, so a woman who's not your wife, who's not family, we'll say, uh, which doesn't sound like this is family. This is someone who's um, the wife of someone else in your church, and you have familiarity and frequency. So you know each other, and you're willing to say things that are risky on some level. So coarse jesting is, I mean, that's risky behavior for a pastor to engage in privately with someone who's uh, anyone, but someone who's not their wife. There's, there's a comfortability that they've established with one another a trust that's been built of some kind. So at the very least, I don't know how to separate that thing, whatever that is, from romance, from, uh, you, you may not be going to a nice Italian restaurant and having music, you know, played as someone's grating your cheese or something, but you are developing a relationship where uh, the easiest way to say it is, is what you would normally have with your wife is is you're having with someone else. And, and that, it's, it's a marriage that lacks the intimacy that's normally associated with a marriage physically, but the other things, the other elements are there. So that, if it's, it wasn't, you know, immoral in a physical way, it, emotional affair is the word that keeps coming to mind. So let's just assume that that is a possibility, a strong possibility uh, if it's violating, you know, the one woman man, that it means he had another, there was another woman, there was another woman. How how else do you read it? <laughs> uh, it's just, they're not saying it though, but it's like with all the pieces, how do you not draw that conclusion? I don't know how not to. And I understand why people do it. I'm so open to it being another disqualification from, from first Timothy or Titus, but it it's uh, not looking good.
2: For an elder being an above reproach here in this instance. As Matt said, we're strong proponents of brothers and sister relationships. We believe in those because we believe the scriptures affirm those. It matters to us to fight for that in the best kind of way. But there are boundaries around what's appropriate in these kinds of friendships and a pastoral role requires greater awareness of those boundaries. In this case, the frequency and the familiarity of the messages crossed a line. They revealed that Matt did not use language appropriate for a pastor, and he did not model a behavior that we expect and that you expect a leader of our church to have. But I wanna be clear that the elders believe that this behavior was not disqualifying of an elder, and it did not rise to a level that would warrant more severe discipline.
0: I don't know what to say. It wasn't disqualifying, but he's disqualified. This is the guy supposed to making who's supposed to be making it clear. And we start off with he did not meet the standards of First Timothy. He was not above reproach. He didn't have a brother sister relationship. It was past that. It was it was in violation of the biblical uh, qualifications, and yet now we hear well, there's nothing disqualifying. Now, maybe what he meant is permanently disqualifying. In other words, there's a restoration process, but that's, I wish he would have said it. That's not what he said. He said, there's nothing disqualifying here. So now you're left with more confusion. And we'll talk about, I know people in the comments section are talking about this law firm. We'll talk about that in a moment.
2: The investigators of the report concluded that this was not a romantic relationship and it was not a sexual relationship. That's important. The report also confirmed this kind of direct messaging communication was a unique case. There were no other examples like it. The woman who Matt was messaging with did not request the independent investigation, but she did cooperate with the investigators and shared messages with them. We're thankful for that. We're trying to keep certain information confidential because we do want to honor her desire not to be in the spotlight. It's also important for you to know that she's certainly free to speak if and when she chooses to do so. So while the elders believe that this did not rise to the level of disqualification, we do hold elders to a higher standard because the scriptures hold elders to a higher standard. Matt's leave of absence is both disciplinary and developmental which allows him time to focus on growing greater awareness in this area. He needs it. How long will that time be? The elders have laid out some expectations for Matt and will dictate the timeline for his return to the pulpit. The health of our church is our top priority and we're committed to assisting and development for care for everyone involved, including Matt. Our desire is to create time and space for Matt to be able to focus on his development. He's not going to be doing that alone. It's in cooperation and in collaboration. We want to pull him in to be shepherded, to be cared for, and not to push him away. Matt desires this as well. And Lauren, you know this. We love you. And our aim is to continue to care for you and your family in all of this. Church, I hope that you know this, that we're blessed with a strong team of pastors, ministers, and staff members. Uh, They have shouldered a lot, and they will shoulder a lot, and we will continue forward in this season. If I look around and think about what the Lord is doing in us and among us, there's no doubt that Matt's presence in the pulpit is strong, and the Lord speaks mightily through him. He is not the only man here. Uh, and our church family has been blessed, supported, encouraged, lift up, ministered to by dozens and dozens of other leaders. And that's going to continue. We'll walk through this season together. I know you have questions. I know you need to process. You should have questions. You will need to process. That's normal. That's expected. Let me give you some pathways for processing and questions. Uh, we always want to point you to our care department. We have a care email. If you have questions, comments, concerns, and you're not quite sure who to go to, this is a place
0: that any... All right, we're going to stop right here. Uh, okay, so I'm more confused and more disoriented. <laughs> now, there is a couple of good things about this, I want to say. Uh, that I think he, he struck some right notes as far as that they, they want to shepherd Matt. They want to um, be a support for the family. Although it was a little weird when he looked at Lauren and said, you know, I don't know. It was They're trying to keep kind of everyone out of it, but obviously something's something's there with, with the family. The Who knows what that is? Maybe the, the wife isn't exactly happy with this, or they're just very emotionally disturbed. Or the, I don't know, but I would assume that it would be a disturbed. I'd be disturbed. But he... He does strike some right notes as far as uh, trying to emphasize the plurality of elders that they have and that this uh, this, this can be handled. The, the confusing part, again, is just, though, he's disqualified, but he's not disqualified. It, there's totally different narratives that are being attempting to be interwoven with one another here that I just don't think you can reconcile. Like, which one is it? He's If he's not disqualified, then what are you doing? If he is disqualified then what are you doing? <laughs> it's like either way, it's either, there's a middle ground that's being treaded. And again, this, this was not something they did at a members meeting. This is something they're doing for the whole world to see. And uh, that's also, I think, I mean, maybe it makes more sense if you're at the village church, maybe someone, if you're from the village church, I doubt there's many people left at the village church, listening to this podcast, there was at one time, uh, I'm, I think there was uh, people who came out of the village church who would share things with me about how terrible, uh, terribly woke it was becoming um, anti-police and on the whole rest of it. But I don't know if there's anyone still there who would be listening. To it. But if there is, you know, I'd maybe clarify for us. Maybe someone from the village church can say this is why it made sense to us if it did and not to other people listening. Uh, the. The reaction to this, though, is somewhat predictable. Uh, let me show you that. Um, so, here is, here are some of the. Um, I'll erase myself so you can see. I just looked last night when I first heard about this. Um, I uh, I was actually at the uh, the county fair. I'll tell you about that a little later. I Had actually a pretty good weekend, but uh, this was the the reaction I saw just on Twitter. I just wanted to see what are the top tweets or, yeah, and Twitter's not the only place. Twitter Twitter's tend to be, tends to be more of a leftist dominated echo chamber in my mind. So the, this is like how the left probably is going to treat this more, in my opinion, if these are the popular tweets that were going around. But but this is what they were. You had Boz Tavidian, who uh, really big with the caring well stuff in the SBC. Uh, he said, after listening to this statement to the congregation, my educated guess is that there's much more to the story, not in a good way. Time has a way of bringing forth the whole truth. Oh, and at the 2730 minute mark, you can hear the congregation applause for him. I've been told they also gave him a standing ovation. So gross. And I, I have to say, I, I don't know. I don't really disagree with him so much. It's kind of, uh, I don't know if I, I think it's as gross as he thinks it is, but it's its weird. I would say weird rather than gross. It, it's just It's like, I feel, I'm disoriented. I feel like I need um, more information. Uh, Then you have uh, Jonah Harris. Now, I don't know who Jonah Harris is. We're not related as far as I know. Maybe we are and I don't know it, but there's a major issue with Matt Chandler not publicly apologizing that he put that woman in an extremely inappropriate position. He had power, position, and authority. Here we go. This is, you start hearing the Me Too stuff coming out. He had power, position, and authority, and she, she didn't, so this is what he did. Sliding into her DMs, that's what he did. He slid into her DMs. Like we don't have any information about. That. We don't know what happened, in a way that was concerning enough that he was confronted in the church lobby. This apology centered himself and completely erased the damage done to this woman on the other side of the exchange. Well, we don't know what damage was done exactly because we don't know exactly what, we don't know what happened. It's just so there's a lot of assumptions behind this. This is not adequate. And I know many will say you will never be satisfied with anything he says. This is not true. As a sister in Christ, it is imperative that we hold our leaders accountable to modeling true repentance. I hope he and his family find uh, healing. It through radical transparency. Radical transparency. I want to focus on this for in a moment. This is where the law firm comes in. This is where the this is the tie to what's happening in the SBC in waiving attorney and waiving attorney-client privilege. This is the part of the Me Too movement that is destroying organizations and and churches included in this. All right. But I'm thinking about the woman and her friend who did a very scary uh, thing confronting. A very powerful man, side note. um, Him being disoriented better not have led him to being a jerk outside the lines of narcissistic zero to the friend in the lobby. She's playing on something Matt Chandler said that was very harsh, I think a few years ago, where he talks about people who criticize Village Church and do it anonymously being narcissistic zeros. So that's what that reference is. But this whole thread is... Uh, loaded with assumptions of things we just don't know. We can't possibly know. I don't know whether he slid into her DMs. I don't know. She might have been the initiator. Who knows? Um, I don't know exactly what took place here. But uh, the woman and her friend did a very scary thing. I don't know if the woman did or not. It sounds like her friend was the one that had the problem. It doesn't, we don't have any evidence that the woman in this case had any problem. So there's all these assumptions and all the assumptions point towards one thing. Matt Chandler is guilty. Why? Because he has power. He is the one with a position of authority. Therefore, he has to be the guilty one. And it doesn't, it's so narrow, this narrative, it does not allow for the idea that there might be complicity with this woman. There might be complicity with people who don't have the same positions of power, quote unquote. Uh, And really, the power they're talking about is institutional power, positions and organizations, that kind of thing. So people can have power, by the way, and not have an organizational institution. So there. there's so many flawed assumptions uh, to this. One of the things though she says is through radical transparency, how can he make good? How can he get into the good graces of the Me Too people? Radical transparency. So you have Matt Chandler handing his phone over uh, and the, this law firm comes in and investigates and looks through all this. I don't know anything about this law firm. I don't know who it was, what it was, but that's That is now, I think, a new standard that is being set right in front of our eyes, just so you know. Uh, Guidepost has to come in, and we have to waive attorney-client privilege if we're in the executive committee of the SBC and let them see everything and let lawyers comb through everything. And that now is the new standard for what true repentance looks like or true—I don't don't even know, because sometimes the people that are doing this don't say they have anything to repent for, but it's like— it, it's to absolve themselves or something, to, to make themselves look spiritually having the higher ground. They hire these these firms, often secular, to come in, and then they they come clean with everything. And they, they are submitting themselves to another standard, generally. It's another group uh, that might be biblical, might be not. I would say mostly probably not. Guidepost certainly wasn't. But they're going to come in, and they're going to evaluate and make sure that you're actually above board, that you uh, pass the test. And I think the deception here is Christians think that they can pass the test. They think that if they do this kind of thing, I'm speaking broadly, not just about Matt Chandler, I'm saying that they think that this is the pathway and that they'll be able to somehow, their good name won't be tarnished. They'll be able to retrieve it from the abyss. They'll be able to uh, show how good they are because after all, they were willing to go through this. I'm telling you though, these reactions. This is a very popular one on Twitter right now, and I don't even know who Jonah Harris is, but uh, these reactions are showing why this isn't possible. Because what she's saying is he hasn't done the radical transparency. He he's given his cell phone over to a law firm, but he still hasn't done the radical transparency thing because he hasn't come clean with all the details to everyone else. And, and I'll admit that there needs there's there's attention in their narrative, and details would help maybe alleviate that. But that's because their narrative. They're trying to do two things at once. Trying to he's guilty, he's not guilty, or he's qualified, he's not qualified. That that's the problem with their narrative. But there, I'd I'd say most situations you don't want to come clean with every detail. If there was a sexual uh, sin, do you want that person, let's say, coming forward with every single detail? And now let me read for you what uh, was sexted to me on this. Like no, obviously not. It it's enough to know this violated scripture. I was in sexual sin. I repent. Um, what, you know, what I did was, you know, I, 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 it's my fault. I'm guilty. And you don't have to have all the intimate details of that, nor is it, sh- it's shameful to speak about the things that, that are done by them in secret. You don't need all that. Uh, but you do need at least enough. And that's, so they're not giving you enough, but yet the law firm here gets, gets access to the entire phone. And I'm wondering if this is going to be moving forward. If, if this is the new standard, I think it is. I think that's what's forming right in front of us, that anytime there's even an accusation, it doesn't have to be a true accusation. There's just the possibility that something might have happened. Well, show everyone your underwear drawer. I mean, open everything up to them for an investigation. Make sure it's the secular authorities, too, that come in and they they are invited in. It's not like a police investigation where you have to comply because there's a criminal issue or something. No, it's even the most minute things, you pay the money, you finance this for these secular organizations to come in. And uh, this, you know, they, they talk a lot about the elders being in charge. And and this is an elder run church and stuff. Um, but and over spiritual things, the elders have authority, but it's not the elders that are, uh, I'm not, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to get out people who know how to find things that could be erased in your history browser or something i'm not saying it's wrong to use these things as tools necessarily i'm just concerned what's happening is there is a seeding of spiritual authority it's going from elders to lawyers uh which is scary or to the the quote-unquote experts the psychological experts or something and i'm seeing just more and more examples that lead me to believe that that would support that kind of a, a thing and this is just one of them in my mind um you know who's the real authority here is it the elder's or is is there a part of this that is being ceded to lawyers? You don't the people at the church don't get to know, or we don't get to know uh, all what's going on. But the lawyers can look through the cell phone. And what what happens in the future if this is the standard when they're looking through your cell phone and they find all kinds of politically incorrect things that don't jive? But you know they, they can they can get all that information from your your social media, the messages you've you've given to others. I mean, sounds like they comb through all his messages to see if he was doing this with other people as well so uh and, and he's a guy that seems like he's coming clean to some extent at least he's coming clean with the elders even though we don't know but it seems like the elders are, are aware of the situation so it's it's like why do you need that outside firm what it's the whole thing there's just so many question marks that arise in this whole thing and so uh people are lighting up the chat right now and um and giving their two cents, you know, please leave your comments, leave your uh, opinions uh, about this. What, maybe you see something I don't see, but I, I see a danger in this. I see a danger in uh, making this the new standard. Okay, here's another uh, reaction to this by uh, Sheila uh, Grigori. She says, can I just say, I'm glad that Matt Chandler has taken a leave of absence for an inappropriate texting relationship with another woman, and the elders board has taken it seriously. However, I would have rather seen him step back after spiritually abusing Karen Hinckley. Uh, when Hinckley wanted to divorce her husband and also had been using child uh, sexual abuse, who had been using these child se- se- sexual abuse materials, uh, this uh, during their marriage, Chandler put her under church discipline. And so, and I don't know anything about this situation, really. Maybe I did at one point, I forgot. But it, um, she's bringing that up. She's also bringing up, um, I also would have preferred that he put uh, under, dis- let's see, he was put under discipline for uh, callousness. Let's see. Shown to an 11-year-old victim of sexual assault, which that went before a grand jury. That situation, and there wasn't anything found, to my knowledge. Uh, there, there's been more than one though. They, they did. They fired a guy. I think it was Anthony something. I think Anthony was his first name, and he went and he worked for. Uh, now I'm blanking on it. I want to say Cedarville, and and where. Um, I can't remember his full name, but anyway, there was a, there was a guy that they had on staff that they had fired, but they didn't give the full details of what this guy was, had actually been doing. And, um, and that created a whole problem. So there's other things you could probably add to this list of like, you know, and and I don't know if all these, all of these are representations of actual mishandling. This could be the left applying a standard. That's just not biblical, but uh, there, I know there have been some legitimate things in the past, at least one where there was, there was a mishandling. And, I just, I keep thinking about how the saints are going to judge the world. Uh, just be careful about, let's let's apply the biblical standard and let's just be clear. Was it violated or not? Right? Was it just, is there a disqualification here or not? That seems like a pretty cut and dry thing in my mind. The Bible is pretty clear on it. We just read from Titus. Uh, bringing in the lawyers, bringing in all, all the other authorities, the psychologists or whoever the authorities in the world are supposed to be, that is the Trojan horse that I see that I, I might be looking back 10 years from now and saying, oh yeah, I remember this was one of those examples of how we got here. <laughs> this Saints will judge the world, but we're letting the world judge the saints. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, that's the situation though at the Village Church right now, and there's more questions than answers, but I don't see how with the left, which is the group that Matt Chandler has appealed to with all his quote-unquote racial justice stuff, I don't see how they are going to accept him anymore. I think that's a this is, it might be the kill shot, to be honest with you, you can't violate any. So so there there was a while, and we're still maybe at the tail end of it where you could kind of be woke, and you could violate the some of the sexual, um the LGBT stuff, because there there is a past kind of given to pastors where it's like, well, we know, in your private religious institutions, you don't believe in same sex marriage or something like this. But as long as you're okay with it being out there, right? This was the Gospel Coalition article I talked about last week. It's like, we we have to accept it out there. We have to, so they have rights too, but just, you know, we won't marry them in our church, that kind of thing, right? So there was kind of this pass given to pastors, like that pass is temporary at best. So we may still, in some ways, the woke even may extend a pass to pastors, like, well, we know that, the you know, the Bible says this, but uh, you, may, you have to go halfway with us at least. At least, you know, be sensitive to lgbt people by making sure that you let them know that you know they can have these desires they just can't act on them or something like that so that put that issue on the shelf that's still in a transition but the me too and the blm stuff you could be whole hog on one of them and say man i'm total blm if you violate me too it doesn't matter what you've done for blm in the eyes of the left if you were and vice versa You know, you could be whole hog me too and violate BLM and say, I just don't see the systemic abuse with the police or, you know, or the way our history is taught or whatever. And you're done. And I think that's what is going to happen and is happening with Matt Chandler. It's like he can be as woke as he wants to be on race related issues. He's never going to gain their favor. Uh, Maybe a few people here and there who are personal friends, but it's, it's, I think he's done as far as that goes. Uh, And uh, so that, let that be a lesson <laughs> to everyone who wants to be woke out there, uh, that uh, you cannot satisfy them. The slightest uh, violation is going to do this. Uh, other things, let's see. Okay, so that's Matt Chandler. I wanted to talk about, I wanted to transition here. There's a bunch of things I have on the list, and I didn't know how far we'd get, but let's talk about this. This is Acts 29. I know, sorry, this is an Acts 29 church. This, this doesn't reflect on, just so people know, the International Organization, Acts 29, which is the church planting network that Matt Chandler happens to be the head of. And I wonder if he's stepping down from that. I would assume so, if he's stepping down from being a pastor for a while. But this is a, a church that was planted, but that is sponsored somehow by Acts 29. So Matt Chandler's organization. Doesn't mean that Chandler approves of this necessarily, but it's happening in the organization. And I know people, by the way, multiple people from Acts 29 who have told me, it's bad, John, it's bad, it's, it's woke. For years I've heard this. And... I think I haven't done oh wow, Matt Chandler's turning on Twitter right now, okay. I haven't um done a a deep dive into acts twenty nine maybe I should I've just assumed I've done enough on Matt Chandler that people know like, hey, if he's the head,, uh, don't get involved with acts twenty nine that's probably doesn't mean every church they planned was bad or anything, but it's just that's not the organization you want to be part of, so people who were involved and left because of those social justice related reasons. Uh, be good to hear from you um i have heard from a few of you but you know maybe this is something that needs to happen maybe we do need to talk about this more here is what an Acts 29 church in australia had to say a pastor at one of these churches had to say and i'm going to play it for you here
3: can and must lean into the rights of those who identify as transgender the christian philosopher uh edith stein explains whoever is near us and needing us must be our neighbor the love of Christ knows no limits, it never ends. So if that means advocating for better health care and social support, if that means creating space for gender-inclusive bathrooms and policies that acknowledge a person's humanity and their inherent value, if that does mean thinking through complex questions around sport, or the particular and unique struggles that the trans community face when it comes to health care and domestic violence and and homelessness. Christians can and must lean into the right.
0: Okay, all right. So we listen to the clip, and Woke Preacher Clips goes on and gives you a bunch of other clips. I think this is uh, the—that's the main one, though. I mean, there's a bunch of them here, man. It just keeps going on and on. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, Okay, so— this is a church that Acts Twenty Nine planted, and people have wondered: Is Acts Twenty Nine solid? You know, just Matt, just because Matt Chandler's running it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's woke, right? Well, is this kind of? Here's the question: Are they going to be kicked out of the Acts Twenty Nine network for this? That's the question. If and now that this has been exposed, woke preacher clips, uh, I think might have been the original one to expose this. I'm not sure, but if this is exposed, if it's known, if this is public. Are they going to be kicked out of the network? That's the big question. That's the question I ask about any denominational organization that you're part of that's Christian. When the violation happens of the doctrine, biblical fidelity, or this basic stuff right here, uh, does that person or, organi- or church or whatever, what does that, is that affiliation broken? Because it should be. This is totally anti-biblical right now. Uh, and, and it's crazy. Uh, that's, I don't even need to comment much on this. Obviously there's two genders. The Bible assumes that there's two genders and his whole example of, he, with, cause he, he doesn't quite go to, well, we need to affirm transgenderism. What he's taking a different road, a road of, well, we need to affirm their rights, their human rights. So he's in, in playing upon your kind of your sent your, your liberal <laughs> sensibilities that, that you, uh, you, you don't want people to be denied health care, do you? You don't want them to have a barrier in front of them when they want to compete in sports or go to the restroom or those kinds of things. And and he calls it denying their humanity. That's not denying their humanity. Look, if you're a man and you want to go into the, the female restroom or something, actually it would be an affirmation of that person's identity, their humanity, I guess, you could, but their identity, to say you must go into the one that actually you, that the one that God made you to, to, to be in, <laughs> the one that God... Uh, be true to the design that God has uh, put uh, in you and, and made you to be. That would be an affirmation of one's humanity. The denial would be to say that God didn't really design you in, th- in that way, and you can just, based upon your experience, uh, based upon what you think you, you are because of experiences you've had, do whatever you want. So it's the opposite. It's calling good evil and evil good, and there's really no way around it. And guess where, where it's going in sports? Guess where it's going in sports and all the rest. Now, this is a German website. This is a German article, August 26th. And you don't want me reading German because I can't actually translate it. Uh, I will read you an English translation though. And the headline on this is what, um, and this is kind of a rough translation, but what it's like to be a transgender football player. Marjolene, 31 years old, had been living for football since he was a child. But finding a team... Where she, it says, feels welcome, where her participation does not go against the rules of the KNVB is not easy, which I guess is their league there for soccer. We would call it soccer in the United States, football internationally. The alarm clock uh, of um, uh 31, goes off every morning except on Sundays at 3 o'clock, an hour later. She is in the bakery where the facade still shows the boy's name that she received at birth. Customers are now used to the new Marjolene. Uh, or rather the Marjolene that she always was, Marjolene that she always was, but of whom she has long thought she had to hide it. Two years ago, she went into transition and finally got the coveted V in her passport, which I guess female in her passport. In the stores, she handed out birth announcements. That year, she also was also registered as a woman. Um, it was icing on the cake. Football is everywhere for Marjolene. So here here's where you have the problem of assuming that gender is just a social construct that why does she here's the question why does she feel the need that she has to go make an announcement publicly why does she have to change her passport why does she if it's just this internal decision that she should be fine with internally then none of that stuff should matter she's not losing out on anything but she has to do it because it's a social construct she needs societal recognition now and it's it's society that was keeping her uh, her back but her experiences have let her the, the pronoun the, the articles using is her uh, the, the, they've let her <laughs> it's it, it's a he okay it's a he um, so i'll i'll I, I don't i feel confusion myself reading an article like this cuz i start using the pronouns they're using it's not right though it's a he we're talking about a biological man and you don't figure it out until like the second paragraph. That's who you're talking about. He uh, is uh, was born a man, and through experiences, through you know understanding more, uh, you know his role in relationship to society, whatever the case was, figured out. Actually, he is a she, and now society must recognize that fact. And so that's the whole thing. And part of society recognizing that fact is he wants to compete. With girls in football but it's not just girls his age let me read for you Marjolene has not played football for 16 years not only because she it says has a lot of pain in her hips possibly result of the administration of female hormones great but especially because the league does not allow her to play in a team that otherwise only consists of girls younger than 20 he's 31 my passport says I'm 31 years old, but I don't feel that way. I'm full of hormones, and I feel like a 15-year-old girl. The league is afraid that I'm too strong to play with and against young girls. That's not the case, and you can't judge that from a chair in Zeist, which I guess is the city where the league is. And so Margeline invited the football association in a letter to come and have a look at a training. You will see that the happiest girl in the world is playing a nice game of football with her team. Of course, I should have come out with this much earlier, but if you live in a village in Draith... Uh, that's what you do last. In that same letter, she wrote, it says he wrote, to understand that it can be confusing to an outsider, that the age on her passport, I'm just going to try to substitute pronouns at this point, all right, because I'm getting annoyed, on his passport is differed, different from the age which he identifies. I have the misfortune of being born that way, and of course, I should have come out with this much earlier, but take it from me. If you live in the village that he lives in, that's what you do last. So it's they're, they're bigoted. That's basically the insinuation. Playing in the only woman's team of lease is not an option for Major Lean. So, so, so the whole thing is he's being discriminated against. Football is survival, it says. She, she he, experiences not playing football as torture. So the psychologist who guides him during His transition recently said that he is on the verge of burnout. Sports can be an important outlet for people in transition from man to woman or vice versa. And so the psychologists now have the moral authority to tell the football league, basically, you're causing torture. Torture to this man who's not allowed. 31-year-old man who wants to play with 14-year-old girls. Oh, man. Uh, So... Because this is not about the Premier League, I'm not a good player, he says, all the more surprising was the surprise when a foreign transfer beckoned last year. Until recently, Marjolein, uh drove a car through West, uh, Westerbork every Saturday to sell freshly baked croissants and other products. On one of those mornings in the moving supermarket, he received a call if I wanted to come and play in Italy. But I don't speak English at all. I've never been outside the Netherlands for a, he says, for a girl like me going to Lice or lissy, I don't know how you pronounce it, lice, is quite an undertaking, and I have the bakery. So I didn't do it. And So, um, let's see. The, basically, the point of the article is, like, not everyone's a bigot because this league in Italy said that he could come play for them in the way that he identifies himself. Well, this is just crazy, uh, obviously. And this is where this whole logic is going. So if you have a church, like this Acts 29 sponsored church in Australia that thinks this caving to this is just part of affirming someone's humanity. Then why not do it across age? Why not do it across all kinds of other uh, identities? 31 year old playing with 14 year olds. I don't see how that could go wrong, especially when it's a male 31 year old. And I mean, I, I can't see how there'd be any injuries created by this. I mean, come on, this is insanity. But the root of this is if you start saying that gender is fluid, that it's just a social construct, that it's it's not actually real, it's not rooted in anything objective, God didn't design, then you're left with this insanity and it just keeps getting worse and it leads to harm. It leads to all these things. They're only concerned about one thing in this German article. They're only concerned about the quote unquote emotional torture that it's causing to this Thirty-one year old man who can't play with fourteen year old girls. They're not focusing on what about the fourteen year old girls who are going to be probably injured and certainly out competed when there's a thirty-one year old man competing with them. That's that. That's no one cares, right? Because that's just that you see is the result of a bigoted society that denies humanity. That is horrible. That that's this prejudice, uh, and so you can't have that. So it's. I, uh, I don't even have the words, it's so insane, but when you have Christians caving to this kind of thing, I mean, if Acts 29 doesn't cut ties with this church, then it, it is so obvious to me that they're they're going to end up being complicit in this to some extent, because they're not policing the people who violate their own statement of faith, which this is a clear violation of anything remotely biblical, and and, and then, then they're the ones that are responsible for Giving cover to people, introducing the ideology that leads to what we just read. So uh, let's let's talk about. Let's see. Uh, there's a couple things. I don't know. We've been how long we've we been live streaming here? It's been uh, it's been over an hour. So I, I think we might wrap it up here pretty soon. Let me just uh, give you a few other things, and we'll go through them briefly here, and then I'll see if we can get to some questions uh, on the old live chat. So uh, man, I don't know if we have time for this. I. I had a two kingdoms thing I wanted to play from Doug Wilson, where I think he describes two kingdoms really well. I don't think we have time for this. Now let's do this. Let's do this because um, I think it's in the title. We'll do this. Let's go to woke preacher clips. We're going to talk about. Um, let's talk about this. This is woke preacher clips put out. Be the bridge. Be the bridge is the study that remember Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia had he he had agreed at, at his church that he was going to go through this study. This is Latasha Leti- Morrison, who uh, wrote the book Be the Bridge. And it, it's all critical race theory. And I did a whole podcast proving this is critical race theory. And, um, and it's popular, unfortunately, out there. Well, Woke Preacher Clips showed one of the panel discussions they had and gave some clips from it. And I, I'll just, it's pretty insane, but I'll, I'll just show you a few. This is Woke Logic here uh, from Latasha Morrison. And then she has some special guests here. Uh, let's start here.
4: We just want to hopefully from this conversation you can get a deeper understanding of the history of 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 guns and 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 how in a lot of this um there is white supremacy behind um the um the increase um, of gun and gun ma- manufacturing in, in America. And what can we do about it? Um, how can we be? Uh, re- this is not a podcast against guns at all. Um, a lot of us own guns, but we're talking about um, making sure that we make um, healthy, convers- <laughs> healthy decisions about gun ownership. And and so uh, we're not going to get into the details of that, but um, I do believe that um, military style weapons that um, any citizen should not have them. This is for protection for our military and also for our police officers Um, when people when they're outgunned and outmanned when they come into situations. So we may hit on that a little bit because I.
0: All right. This isn't a podcast against guns. But hey, I do believe those military-style weapons. Okay, AR-15, right? Let's or something that looks like that. I guess uh, citizens should not have those. That's for our military and our police. So we're not against guns, but only military and police should have them. <laughs> the ones that look scary, military and police should have. Of course, military-style weapons. We never. What are you talking about? Are you talking about automatic weapons? Or are you talking about? Usually, they use these vague this vague language because. They do want to ban the AR-15. That's usually what they're going after. And of course, so there's a lot of guns that can do what an AR-15 does, a semi-automatic gun. Uh, in fact, pistols kill more than any other, um, you know, it, it protect pistols that you would get for protection, not military style, quote unquote, scary looking guns are responsible for the vast majority of gun violence in this country. But they don't talk about generally getting rid of those. It's they want to focus on, certain kinds of guns that could what that could maybe be a deterrent or a defense in the case of the reason for the second amendment government actually getting corrupt um i don't know maybe raiding your house or sending in irs agents who knows i mean this stuff would never happen right uh that's the kind of thing i'll I'll give you a clip if i have time at the end of um some police beating up really beating up on a guy and i don't know whether what was the situation but i just know that if, if you have a gun, you're less likely to have scenarios like that take place. It's an equalizer. It's the whole purpose of the Second Amendment, right? It's it's not about hunting. It's not about even home protection. It's about being able to match a, a government that gets corrupt so the citizens can have their own militia. That's the whole point. But apparently... Gun. There's white supremacy connected to guns, and guns are. That's why. That's why if you go to a gun store, right, they never sell to, to you if you're a minority, right? They never. <laughs> unheard of. No, obviously not. Some somehow Latasha Morrison must have gotten a gun. She se- seems to allude to that. So it, it's. I mean, you talk about conspiracy theory. This, in my mind, you, this is where that. This is a conspiracy theory. You know, wh- where's the white supremacy in gun manufacturing? All right. So here's some more uh i don't know how th- look how long this is look how many things they are said on this podcast let's just let's just go through a few of them uh so here's more from uh latasha morrison
4: african-american guy um and he said you know i'm i i have guns um and i'm willing to to lay down you know as many guns as they recall um Uh, you know, if needed. He said, the only reason why I have guns is because I don't understand why white people are buying so many guns. And he said, I'm going to continue to buy guns. I'm going to continue to buy guns because I don't know what they're preparing for. And so I want to be prepared if what are we preparing for, you know? And he said, but I don't even like guns. And, um, and I, in talking with a lot of African Americans, um, they feel the same way. And I'm not, I'm not speaking for all. I just,
0: this is nuts. What, what are all the white people buying the guns for? It must be because they're going to, they're going to come for us. That's what they're doing. It can't be that maybe they're doing what the founding fathers did, what the second amendment wasn't intended for, that they're concerned about this all powerful federal government. that just hired how many thousands of new IRS armed agents and, raid, you know, the FBI raiding Trump's home, that, that kind of thing doesn't factor into it, of course, or the efforts to ban guns. And so we'll never, we may not get them again, let's, let's buy them now that it's got to be some CRT inspired narrative that's put over the whole thing. It's like, no, what they're really doing is they're, we we don't have the evidence, we don't have the quotes, we don't have primary sources we can point to, but we, we, we have a suspicion that what they're going to do is they're going to come for the black people. So we better buy guns too. We don't like them. We, we prefer the government just takes them away from all of us, but we better, as long as they're legal, we better have them. Why can't, and, and here's the thing, why can't someone say, well, I'm looking at what the government does. I'm looking at, you know, my local police department has an armored tank now, <laughs> armored vehicles. And why, maybe I, I don't like guns. Maybe I should just get a gun in case things go south so we can protect ourselves. Why is that not a legitimate reason for getting a gun? Because that's the same logic being employed here although there's no really real reason for it here but the idea is well white people could come and and kill us so we need a gun it's like yes latasha that that's actually that's the kind of you're getting warmer to the logic that the founders had when it came to an oppressive totalitarian government and why there was a need for militia private citizens to have guns so, um, I think it's, it's conspira it's unfounded conspiracy, but it's like, if that's your motive and that's why you want to have a gun, sure. You have a right to get a gun. You can get a gun. You should be able to get a gun. I have no problem with that. Just because you have a kooky reason for getting it. Uh, you, you think the threat that you're thinking about isn't really a threat that seems likely to materialize. Sure though, you could still get a gun and there's fine. Uh, let's, let me just read for you some of these quotes. Cause I don't want to go through them saying them. Uh, but let's see. Um, Let's see. Elizabeth uh, Bayrens a longtime Be the Bridge contributor, talks about the founding of America and paints the Anti-Federalists as all the Southerners, obsessively focused on preserving slavery. Uh, that is totally, that is, that is so ignorant, I can't even understand. Why would she say that? Uh, now I'm going to want to listen to the clip, but we don't have time. Abolitionist New York uh, Melancton Smith could not be reached for comment, which is funny Woke Preacher Clips is saying. Well, here's a guy that's obviously wasn't obsessed with preserving slavery he was an anti-federalist yeah i mean some of the biggest anti-federalists were in places like new york so it's it's uh that seems so ridiculous to me um anyway uh i'm going to have to stop this podcast cuz i've been going too long but it gets it caught, the second amendment at its core originally was included to appease the south it's about white supremacy it's, it, okay this is stupid None of this this is just fanciful history. This is made up history. That's not why the second. In fact, the NRA, did you know the NRA uh was I believe was a union veteran that started the NRA. So it's the 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 idea that gun culture is uniquely southern is is not exactly true. It's it's more rural. It's more farmers need guns more on a daily basis and so they're used to them. They're used to having them, they're used to using them, they're not afraid of them. And of course, the south uh traditionally has been more rural. And, um, and, and the South also has a military tradition going back. So yeah, it's more likely that Southerners are going to be more used to guns around guns. But look, if you grew up in like Charlotte, North Carolina, now, I don't think you're going to be using guns much probably. I mean, those places now that, especially where people, Northerners have moved down or, or urbanites have moved down, they're, they're not the same anymore. But if you live in a rural area whether North or South, you're going to be used to guns more. And so, yeah, so I, I have no problem saying, yes, yeah, Southerners probably have more guns. They probably, they're, they're more used to, to that especially in texas right you love your guns and it's there's there's a whole culture of 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 sport you know this sport shooting and stuff with uh, that is associated with guns but that does not mean that that is not a uh indicator that i think i think that's what they're doing that's probably they're they're looking at the current reality that hey it's people in this in the south where those camo wearing hunters and there are more of them down there they're the ones that going back if you go back a long ways that's where slavery mostly was because even though it was it was like the, you know, six percent of Southern whites who are, who are rich, or the whatever fifteen percent of families owned slaves, but they were the more the rich, uh, well off families. You know, let's just let's just make this leap and say that that those are their ancestors, and the the original reason that their great 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 grandparents had guns was because of, they just wanted to keep slaves in line. there's really nothing more complicated. I've heard this logic before, and that's the logic. It's it's not rooted in actual primary source reading of history. The founding generation, whether from Massachusetts or Georgia, they would have all been used to, at that time, when the Constitution was being adopted, they would have all been pro-gun. And they would have all uh, seen in their recent past the defeat of a totalitarian government or what was approaching that uh, by the use of, uh, citizen militias. And, um, and, and obviously the people in Boston weren't icky about guns. They weren't like, Ooh, guns. Uh, so, so it's more of a, uh, time and place and culture thing across generations than it is a regional thing. It's more regional now, perhaps in some ways, but it, we're going back to 1789 and you cannot, uh, in the late 1700s then imposed pre- presentism is the imp- imposition of modern day realities onto that. Uh, man, I wish I had more time to go over this and we would just kind of uh, talk about it, but um, I got to go. Let's, uh, there was a few other things that just announcements I wanted to make uh, on the podcast that I, I, I had in the queue that I just wanted to make you aware of, if I can. Uh, one of them is this. YouTube, apparently someone pointed out is using the Trevor Project to add context to the video I did with Rosaria Butterfield on, um, and now I don't wanna say the word because YouTube's gonna ban it, but on change-allowing therapy, we'll put it that way. And there's this whole thing about that particular therapy. And um, someone pointed out though on Twitter that look, the the Trevor Project, which YouTube is using as as an organization that has the moral high ground to tell everyone what this therapy is. They apparently are counseling children or, or offering to children Ways to um, have a quick exit feature on their computer, which erases their browser history to keep their parents in the dark about what they're doing online. Great organization, YouTube. You're using to try to police what Rosaria is saying by appealing to the Trevor Project. That's just that's just rich. Uh, and then uh, I want to let you know about this. Following up to the episode last. Uh, time the last episode on John Jasper, the black theologian who I just said you know is really a hero in some ways. I mean this guy was a he was popular at the time. You have uh, James Riddle, a student or a former student I guess at SCBTS where I went, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, saying that in the '90s when Paige Patterson was at SCBTS in leroy fitz history of black baptist jasper's mentioned only once how did he skip jasper and yammer on so much about martin luther king jr who was non-orthodox that's a tragedy i never heard jasper's name once in my homiletics demon seminars when i came back to SCBTS later in 2013 i thought this was interesting i don't usually post comments here but i thought it was fascinating that under Paige patterson who's supposed to be this horrible person uh at the school they were they talked about john jasper and then when more woke people got in charge uh they he's erased from history because that's what I said I said why haven't I heard of this guy why is he well apparently there was a time people talked about John Jasper and now he's not mentioned why would that be uh I have my th- ideas on why that might be but uh James Riddle uh, uh letting us know about that I thought that was uh was fairly interesting uh to me at least uh and so let's see and i just want to let everyone know to remember sign up for the men's conference uh the men's retreat adirondack men's retreat with dr russell fuller october 28th through 30th in speculator new york You mail your check-in to grace bible church if you want to come you sign up online uh just rsvp let us know you're coming 176 dollars five meals two nights uh, it'll be a great time. We're going to have an awesome time there. And so uh, I'll let you know about that. And also let you know about Bradford Christian College. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. But if you are looking for a college that is online, that provides mentorship, not just here's the test and take it, but here's someone that you can actually talk to. You can ask questions to. They'll meet with you regularly. Uh, it's a different kind of model. It's a model that used to be employed. That's not as much anymore. But Bradford Christian College might be the option for you. They, they offer two degrees. Bachelor's of Arts in Theological Studies, Bachelor's of Arts in Christian Education. You can take it farther because they're accredited if you want. Transfer it to somewhere else. It might be a good option for homeschoolers. Uh, look into it, at least. Ask them questions. They're open to that. And hey, if Biden administration gets their way, then someone else will pay for your education. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we should all pay for our own educations. That's that's biblical. But that's uh, bradfordchristiancollege.com is where you're going to go to check that out. And I hope that's helpful for uh, many of you out there who are... Uh, starting to navigate this, maybe with your high schoolers and you're wondering, hey, they were the the Christian school, homeschool, public school, whatever, but now they're ready for the next step. You know, what do we do? Maybe you want them at home. So this would be a good option uh, to keep them at home if if that's uh, what you want to do. And also at the same time, make sure that uh, they're getting a good education. And um... so uh, let's just go to the comments section uh, here uh, in the live chat uh looks look like uh, it's fallen off a little there were like over 300 people now there's 177 that are uh, live chatting still here or in the streaming and a number of people that who have left comments uh so uh let's see if there's any questions in here um, not many <laughs> a lot of comments though they're good uh, good comments though um <laughs> To teach blacks to fight Klansmen. That's why you. Get, yeah, right. Well, I mean, look. After during the Reconstruction period, I think what was it? The Heller case in Washington D.C. I think Judge Thomas, who wrote the opinion for that, I'm blanking. Um, in the opinion, though, I want to say Judge Thomas was the one who brought it in. Uh, he cited a bunch of historical things, and one of them being that, look, that was one of the way that ways that black people protected themselves against groups like Klansmen. Uh, was, was having the right to bear arms. And so, you know, it, it, this whole narrative about, oh, it's just it's just white supremacists who want guns, it's so stupid. Um, yeah, one, one person's talking about how someone that they knew who didn't like guns came and hung out with them and they shot guns. And by the way, I have stories like this too, where uh, when once you shoot and you start realizing this is a tool to use, uh, it's, it's like that speech from the movie Shane, if you've ever seen that good movie that a gun is a tool and it's as good or as bad as the man who uses it. And I actually had that experience with someone uh, from uh, Long Island, a, a friend of mine uh, actually was an atheist, uh, a friend of mine who's an atheist, uh, Jewish kid actually grew up in Long Island, didn't know anything about guns. And I invited him upstate and we went to the range and he loved it. He just loved it. And now he, I mean, he loves shooting and not afraid of them at all. And, and that's, I think a lot of it too. You, you just got to get over some of the, the things you've been told about them. And it's like driving a car in some ways. I mean, you get in a car, it's very dangerous. It was scary. You could die in a car accident, right? But you, you learn to drive and you learn to get over that fear. So, um, so some funny comments in here too. Well, Someone pointed out to me that Acts 29 is an affiliate rather than a denomination. Yeah, and I know that. It's not a denomination. It's an organization. And if I said denomination, I was misspeaking. I don't think I did. But uh, yeah, you got to get, get... That's going to be the test in my mind. If Acts 29 decides they're going to keep a guy or a church that is having uh, saying things about transgenderism that are affirming, then, then that's the end of it. So uh, one last check here. <laughs> did Chandler leave the faith yet? That's so... <laughs> Yes. Um, as, as, as far as I know, Matt Chandler, um, I've said this before in the podcast, I believe he's a false teacher. I believe that he has added to the gospel and I put um, a, a, a citation of that in the book, Christianity and Social Justice. If you want to go pick that book up uh, by John Harris, you can go to Amazon, but you can also go to worldviewconversation.com and I talk about this. And I think that uh, in addition to that, he's also promoted things that undermine the authority of the scripture, like uh, standpoint epistemology Uh, Definitely politically on the left. No question about that. Um, Do you have general thoughts about what the healthiest movement denomination networks are out there right now for individuals and churches to join? Uh, That's a hard one. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this particular question. I can't share them all right now, but I'll say this in brief. I was expecting a lot of alternatives to pop up and I don't think a lot of alternatives have, and there are reasons for it, but, uh, I would check out, you know, not, it's not for everyone, but check out the IFCA. It's an association that is taking in active steps against social justice. Um, I've heard things about the fire network from a pastor out in uh, Nebraska saying it's, it's a good organization to be part of possibly check it out. I don't know. Um, I don't have any really association with them, but that might be a good one. Uh, Unfortunately, the Evangelical Free Church really isn't an option in my mind at this point. Some people thought it might be. It's not. The Southern Baptist Convention, obviously, people know where I stand on that. PCA is kind of a mixed bag, but uh, I'll put it this way. If I was in the PCA right now, I might try to fight, but I wouldn't be looking at the PCA as a place I'd join if I was new and looking for good places to join. That it it would not be an option in my mind, you know, unless you want to just commit your life to political battles instead of doing ministry. And I know there's going to be a certain amount of battle you have to have in you if you're going to do ministry, but, uh, man, it, how much of time is that going to suck up? That's the big question. Um, other th- other people are putting other options in here. Uh, they're saying G3, the uh, PRC. I'm not exceptionally familiar with the PRC. Um, the Yeah, G3, though, is not... It, 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 it's an association you can kind of have, but it's, I I don't look at G3 as it. it, There's a network. I know there's a network component to it. I would say that that might be a place to look in your local area. If there's maybe some like-minded churches, it might be an option, but it might not be too. It's, it's kind of broad and it's, it doesn't function as it's a loose affiliation. We'll put it that way. It's a very loose affiliation. Uh, Unfortunately, you're you're not going to get you know, the missions contacts, the things that you would normally expect from a denomination or an association, even I don't know that you're going to get those as much from G three. You could go to a conference and try to network, but whereas like the IFCA, they have like their they train chaplains. That's what I'm talking about. Like you can actually get your chaplain's certification through them. You can uh, go. They have their own missionaries and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So so anyway, the other people are fellowship of independent reform evangelical churches i'm just not familiar i'm not familiar with with that organization there may be some ones that i'm just not familiar with that are good out there Uh, sometimes though unfortunately people will tell me this is a great one i'll look into it and i'll be like i don't did you see all the woke stuff over here so you just got to be super careful i'm super careful about putting my name behind something or recommending something because i've been bit before a little bit i've been burned when I have said, this looks good. And I had someone sometimes even in the organization saying how they're taking active steps, or they're great. And then I find out later what they've actually been doing. And I'm like, I can't, I can't support this organization. So I'm super careful. People also ask me schools, and I'm like, well, you know, Southern Evangelical Seminary has taken steps against wokeness. I don't know of other schools who have taken overt steps. It's seminaries, I should say. Um, Appalachian Bible College seems to be a good college in my mind, because I just know people there who have told me what they're doing in their departments to take steps against social justice. So I'm, I'm positive about that. But there's probably good schools out there. But man, I just I would have to see I always ask the same question I say, Look, if it's a denomination of school, whatever, send me their statement against social justice. And normally, I don't get an email back because it's like they don't have a statement against social justice. And I'm like, well, in this day and age, there's gonna have to be something in your statement of faith somewhere, there's got to be something to, to hedge against this this, this corruption that's uh that's actually all right one last question then we we need to end it john do you have any idea when church membership started in church history thanks in the 30 seconds left on this podcast uh well it's it's as some people would tell you it's as old as the apostles uh, but if you're talking about a formal church membership in which someone takes a class and passes you know some kind of a barrier that's created a, an intake where you talk to the pastors or whatever. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when that would have been implemented, but I'm sure you're talking about hundreds of years. It's not, um, there may be certain versions of that that are more recent, but that idea of vetting people, um, normally I think baptism would be, in normal societies, that would be the thing. One of the challenges today, and this is why I think church membership has become more of a formal process, is you don't have people living in the same community their whole life. And if you on a smaller scale, the way the world used to be up until recently, when you had the smaller towns and you had people who grew up in the same town their whole life, when they became a Christian, they went and they got baptized at the local church. You know, they you knew who they were. The vetting was already kind of done for you. It's very hard today to vet, and so people have to be more intentional about it. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> any problem with nine marks? Yes, <laughs> that's for another podcast, though. Uh, nine marks as definitely. Taking the woke route unfortunately and i think we're gonna do a podcast here soon where i'm gonna go through like the top 10 articles or something on nine marks website that are not good but we will do it at some point anyway god bless everyone i hope that was helpful i never did talk about (laughs) my weekend at the county fair unfortunately uh, a few hours at the county fair and other stuff but i'll have to save that i'll have to save my personal stuff for another time i know some of you love hearing about that but Unfortunately, I have to get to some personal stuff now working on my house because my dad is here to help me. So uh, I'm going to have to run. But uh, yes, Lord willing, later in the week, uh, I'll give you some personal update stuff as well. God bless.